Welcome to Trendline. I'm Michael Stittle. And I'm Nick Nanos. So national numbers give us a snapshot of how people are feeling from coast to coast to coast. But when you take a closer look at those numbers by region, obviously it tells a very different story. And we're going to get into that. But first, Nick, what are the national numbers? Well, the national numbers, no upper hand. How's that? None of the above? I don't know how we can how we can say this, but the reality is is that the the liberals and the conservatives are gripped in a very tight heat. We have 34% each for the liberals and the conservatives. New, New Democrats back at 15. Green Party at 11, Block 4, and People's Party at 2. No one's been able to break out on the ballot numbers, and it's mm. a coin toss when we roll up the nation. And we've talked about this a little bit before, that there seems to be a, a gender divide amongst the, the two major parties. Can What are the latest uh, figures saying about that? Well, what's quite interesting is that for the Conservatives, they have a 10-point advantage among men. The Liberals, they have a 10-point advantage among women. What does that mean? Hmm. If only women were voting, Justin Trudeau would have a majority government. If only men were voting, Justin Trudeau, uh, Andrew Scheer, that is, would have mm -hmm. a majority government. And wow. it speaks to the disconnect and how women and, and men are fundamentally looking at this election differently. And amongst, uh, well... For preferred PM, uh, something unnoticed, it seems kind of strange to me, is that when, lately at least, when Trudeau goes up, Scheer goes up. When Scheer goes down, Trudeau goes down. Uh, what's going on there? Well, what we're seeing on the preferred prime minister front is uh, is, is is basically an, an interesting trend. First of all, Justin Trudeau has opened up, not a massive lead, but a lead of some sort, factoring the margin of error for the survey. It's a, I think it's around five percentage points. You mm -hmm. have to remember, just about a week ago, it was uh, it was within the margin of accuracy. I think within within they were within a per, one percent of each other. And uh, you know, Jagmeet Singh actually has at uh, I think he's at ten percent, which is higher than we've had him in in a while. It's at the upper end of uh, where he usually is. So. You know, the thing is, is for Justin Trudeau, he does have an advantage. It's not a big advantage. Uh, and Andrew Scheer is still in the in the strike zone, so to speak, on the preferred hmm. prime minister front. Now, today, Nick, as, as we're recording this podcast, uh, we're getting into the climate strike marches. Uh, there's a absolutely huge one in Montreal. I think you were just there earlier today. Yeah, actually, what's interesting is the timing of this. You know, we're in a federal election. We know from our polling that the environment is the top unprompted national issue of concern. And now mm -hmm. we have Greta Thunberg uh, in Montreal, effectively leading and mobilizing uh, probably the biggest strike action uh, related to uh, supporting the environment. I was in Montreal earlier today and everybody is uh, pumped uh, in terms of the strike and uh, thinking of the gridlock that might happen. But uh, mm -hmm. Montreal is uh, is definitely gearing up. So and uh, so it's just an interesting confluence of events where you have international spotlight on the top issue during the campaign. It's going to be uh, it's going to be interesting to see whether there's any impact on the campaign based on what happens today. I, yeah, I was curious. So liberal leader Justin Trudeau, he's he's made the environment a, a central plank of his campaign. Uh, but he's also been open to criticism over uh, purchasing a pipeline. And he himself will be in Montreal for this protest. Is that a risky move on, on his part, do you think? Well, my understanding, 
and correct me if I'm wrong, is that he might be trying to meet with Greta Thunberg. And, hmm. um, and you know, so it's, it's kind of interesting where a federal party leader is, is, is looking to uh, meet um, a foreign individual, a leader, environmental leader, uh, mm -hmm. Greta Thunberg in Canada. Um, I think there are risks involved. And that the reality is is that uh, Greta Thunberg is independently minded. She's mm -hmm. strong-willed. Uh, she's passionate about what she believes. Uh, I don't think she would be uh, in awe or impressed of meeting with any politician, uh, including Justin Trudeau. So, mm -hmm. you know, I think if you're, it's it's interesting for the for the same campaign that didn't want him to debate going to the McLean's Globe debate related to with. Uh, with the other party leaders because they thought it was too risky they're gonna if, if he ends up meeting with Greta Thunberg there's there's no guarantee that that will go well um, so it's a bit of a you know it's a bit of a head scratcher I could understand him participating in the in the demonstration I could right. understand him responding to what she has to say um, mm -hmm. I think those are I think those are both uh, mo good moves for any politician but uh, having that personal meeting I don't know there might be a photo that will either be good or bad, uh, right, depending right. on what transpires if they end up meeting. And earlier, well, yesterday, actually, we saw him canoeing around, making announcements like, like that, and sort of, he was up in northern Ontario. Uh, now, meanwhile, Andrew Scheer is in Vancouver, but he is not participating in a climate strike. Yeah, I don't think he has to. Uh, I don't think uh, leaders have to participate in the climate strike, although I do believe that it's important for all leaders to address climate. And actually, I think it would be fair game for all the leaders to respond and render their views on Greta Thunberg and uh, what she's what she's working on. Mm. Uh, so, uh, you know, I don't think people have to drop everything. I think it would be odd to think of federal party leaders dropping what they're doing to go to a climate strike to want to meet with uh, Greta Thunberg, but uh, responding to her, explaining how you feel about what she's saying, uh, expanding on your position on the environment, uh, I think is uh, not just fair game, would be, but would be expected, from, that Canadians would expect that from all the federal party leaders. Okay, so now, like the opening credits of Game of Thrones, we're gonna zoom in to our map. We're gonna go into Ontario and do a deep dive so you've done polling on the first week of this campaign and the second week, which is a good before and after snapshot of uh, Liberal leader Justin Trudeau's brownface, blackface scandal. Um, what kind of change did you see in Ontario? Well, you know, we talk a lot about the 905. That's the belt of ridings that kind of circles uh, Toronto as a mm -hmm. key battleground. And what's interesting in the Globe CTV nanos tracking, when we do that big drill down on Ontario and break out that 905 belt and look at week one and week two, what's pretty clear is that in week one, the Liberals started off the campaign with a significant advantage over the Conservatives. But fast forward into week two and uh, of the campaign and those, those ridings, and that 905 is in play. It's much closer and much more competitive between the Conservatives and the Liberals in the 905. This has to be quite worrisome for the Liberal Party and the Conservatives have to be buoyed up with this because it means the 905 is in play and it speaks to the deadlock that we're seeing nationally where neither of the parties can get the upper hand. And uh, if the 905 unwinds for the Liberals, that'll be mm. bad news for them. When we look at the rest of the province, no big surprises. The Liberals were a lock in week one in the 416 which is what I'll say fortress liberal. 
and they continue to be a lock in week two. When we look at the rest of the province, it's still competitive between the Conservatives and the Liberals, but uh, no big change. So interestingly, the change that has occurred between week one and week two was in the most important battleground, 905, and that that is tightening up to be much more competitive than it was at the beginning of the campaign. And if our listeners are wondering why we obsess over Ontario so much, Ontario has 121 ridings and roughly, let's say, 30 or so are in the greater Toronto area, which is almost equal to all of Alberta. Uh, so can we say in the 905 region, Nick, that the brownface and blackface images uh, may have played a role in, in Trudeau taking a hit? That's the only thing that's been in the news. Hmm. And uh, it, wa it dominated the uh, airwaves. So the, the kicker here is, is this a, a one-week event or is this a longer-term trend? We do know from the, just looking at the national trend that the blackface controversy for a short period of time did have a material negative impact on the Liberal campaign. And at one point, the Conservatives were leading by five percentage points. So we know that as an empirical fact. So hmm. it looks like there was some sort of impact in the 905. Whether this is sustained is uncertain at this point in time. Now, with the Liberals and Conservatives uh, locked in such a tight race, are we looking at a minority government so f right now, or, or do you think things will shift? Well, if there were an election held today, it would definitely be a minority government. And who knows what would be the final complexion, whether it be a minority liberal or a minority conservative. The, liberals, the liberal distribution of liberal support is a little more efficient at generating uh, seats than the conservatives. But some, mm -hmm. of, the, uh, some of the wild cards in this is the, the Bloc Québécois that could win anywhere from 10 to 20 seats. Uh, the NDP will lose seats. We just don't know how many seats that they will lose. The Greens will gain seats. So we could have, we could have a, a parliament where, you know, perhaps the, the, greatest, uh, the greatest number of seats is very close between the Liberals and the Conservatives. And then you've got the Bloc, Greens, and the New Democrats as uh, not necessarily potential partners, but why don't we call them associate parties that mm -hmm. uh, might might look friendly on either one of the two front runners. So mm. right now it's uh, definitely minority government territory, and uh, and watch out for those block uh, those potential block seats in Quebec. Nick, what's your big takeaway for this week? My big takeaway is how about this? None of the above. I don't know. I think <laughs> if they were put on the ballot, if there was a none of the above party, mm. maybe maybe they might do well because it's pretty clear that there's not a lot of enthusiasm right now for either the conservatives or the liberals. And mm. uh, and as a result, there's no clear direction uh, in terms of who Canadians would want to win this election. So people are parking, waiting, and they're going to evaluate and see how the federal parties and the federal party leaders do. You may need to put the Rhino Party on your uh, next survey. Yeah, I think, well, they're, they're definitely on the ballot in uh, Beauce, right? Because they've got right. that, the other Maxime Bernier, kind of like, uh, the, is this the alternative to the alternative? Uh, anyways, so uh, a, little, a little bit of amusement and probably mm. annoyance for Maxime Bernier. The, I'll call it real Max, not fake Max. <laughs> uh, Nick, thank you very much. My pleasure. And Nick, where can we find you on Twitter? On Twitter, you can reach me at Nick, N-I-K, Nanos, or you can go check out the numbers on the Nanos website at www.nanos.co. And I'm on Twitter at, at Michael Siddle.
This podcast was produced by Trevor Coral, Jesse Taharali, and Phil Hahn. Our executive producer is Liz Travers. Sound editing was done by Jesse Taharali. For more on the election, head over to election.ctvnews.ca.